Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Sharday Jones, who's the owner of S. Jones Books and Education. She does grant writing. She does curriculum writing. And you may be thinking, well, I don't know if that pertains to me, but probably the most insightful thing that you're going to want to hang on to in this episode is that she's been in business for almost a decade, and she is a master of understanding how to do small business well and how to get customers who really love what you offer. Stay tuned. You're going to love this episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Sitting down with Sharday Jones. She's an educational consultant. She specializes in curriculum design and grant writing. She's also the founder of Sharday Jones Books and Education. She's been in business for, wow, almost a decade working out of the D.C. Baltimore metro area. Sharday, so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be featured on the podcast. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, I am a former teacher of about a decade ago. And so as soon as I saw that you had some education in your background, I thought we have to get this person on. Wow, I'm flattered. (laughs) Now, talk to me a little bit more about what do you do for a living? What does your business do? Okay, so S. Jones Books and Education is an educational consulting company. We work with nonprofits and small businesses to um, develop their program structure, um, their curriculum, and then also to acquire financial resources, so grant writing and fundraising. Um, It's kind of a niche market and a niche um, service, and I got into it, like you said, about 10 years ago kind of by happenstance, um, didn't expect to create this lane, but it mm. became a thing. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, talk to me a little bit more about that. Like what, what were you doing and how did you kind of get into this? So I started off when I graduated from Florida a university. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology. Um, but the last year of undergrad, I was really interested in how to merge psychology with education And um, after graduating, I moved to Georgia and I just started going around meeting people. And every time I would meet someone, I would tell them, you know, my background is in psychology, but I'm interested in getting into education. And I met a woman who later became my mentor and she had just gotten a grant for an adult education program. And she needed someone to create a curriculum and then also to um, teach it. So, of course, me trying to get my foot in the door, I was like, absolutely, I'll do that. And so we, she had, because it was like a startup situation for her, um, and then also a first time thing for me, we were doing all of the groundwork together. Mm -hmm. And the grant was very specific. It was, um, we had to create an adult educational program for a low income 
um, housing project community. And so the objectives were to, um, for some of the issues that they were having was transportation, childcare, um, and those things. So we had to address all of those concerns. Um, and that looked like us going door to door, offering incentives for them completing the program and then, you know, providing the child care and the additional resources. And in doing that with her, um, I also was able to see how she would develop educational programs and go shop them throughout the state of Georgia. And I didn't know that was a thing. Um, I didn't know that, you know, any developer could create a program and go sell it to a school. Um, so that really interested <laughs> me. Um, so I was, when I moved to Baltimore about a year later, um, because I really wanted to, my ultimate goal was to get to the DC area. When I got up here, I did the same thing. I hit the ground and just let people know what I did. And that had transitioned from, I want to, um, be an instructor to, I want to develop educational programs and how do I do that? Um, and so I would talk to different nonprofit leads or not even, even if they weren't um, fully established, if there were small businesses who, you know, maybe they were in IT or maybe they were sports educators, I would just talk to them about their long-term goals and as they decided that they wanted to get into enrichment programming, you know, not having a background in curriculum or education, I was able to provide that service. And so my company just grew from um, providing those supplemental services and word of mouth um, spread. And that became my lane. Yeah. Now, now as you, obviously you've you have over and beyond beat the statistic because you're, I mean, you're right on the edge of 10 years and it's something like, you know, 80% of businesses aren't even going to make it past, you know, three or four years. And so what, I mean, what's the journey been like for you? Um, it's not been easy. <laughs> and I <laughs> That think... can't be right. Everyone online tells me how easy it is. Right. I think, um, you know, anybody who wants to get into entrepreneurship or solopreneurship should definitely understand that it's a long haul journey. And one of the things that has helped me is understanding that you have to have, for me, I've always had to have side hustles um, just to get me through those downswings because a lot of times in business, you know, you'll have these upswings where you're business is booming and you're making a lot of money, but then you might have a downswing period for a, a month or a couple months where you're not able to get clients as um, frequently as you anticipated. Mm -hmm. So for me, what has helped is creating um, automated systems, um, just like, you know, paying myself a salary um, whenever I have an abundance of income or an abundance of, um, clients, just making sure that I'm putting that money aside and also, you know, setting up my own insurances, you know, the business insurances, disability insurances, and also, um, like setting up my retirement systems and stuff like that. So setting up systems early on is extremely important. And, um, what has really helped me is looking at the long-term game. Um, the majority of my clients 
have come from word of mouth. Mm. And that was that's from the beginning of my um my career in this market. I have I'm just getting to the point where I'm marketing my services and, you know, looking to scale up. Mm-hmm. Um just because, you know, I want to make sure that my business can run without me if necessary. Um but for me it's been I want to genuinely serve you. I'm not worried about the the number. I'm worried about how I can serve your your organization, how I can help you, how I can support you. And just putting that energy in it and understanding and having faith that the numbers, you know, will work themselves out, at least mm-hmm. in the beginning before right. scaling up. But the numbers will work themselves out has allowed me to um I guess my reputation to proceed itself. So well, and I have I have two separate thoughts. The first one is I, I so admire your perspective because a lot of a lot of leaders can't scale up because they can't they can't remove themselves. You know, it's like it's a stroking of the ego, right? It's like it's I like to be at the center of this thing, and I love what you said because it's so right and it's such a key insight for any business wanting to grow. Is if you're going to scale, you can't. I mean, just even physically, you can't clone yourself, right? And so you can't, it has to be able to exist and function without you making every call and being right there at the center of it. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. The second thing you said that I really appreciated too, and, um, you know, now that I, now that I just had my rant on the first one, I can't even remember what the second one was. It was something you said (laughs) that was just great. Oh, oh, I remember what it was. It, you know, it's interesting how, I talked to people who, because you, you made this insight that was really great and you, and you called it word of mouth. And there's really nothing more powerful than the power of someone's verbal recommendation of you. But I've noticed a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners who they're trying, they're even trying to get to the point of scaling up before they even have customers, but they're trying to grow their business, but they don't, they don't want to build relationships. They don't want to you know, really build those deep connections where people can refer you. Instead, they're thinking, you know, how do I post on Facebook? How do I post on LinkedIn? Like, what's the content strategy, so to speak, to just make my business flourish? And that isn't necessarily, you know, LinkedIn's not bad, obviously, I use it all the time. But it feels like you've approached it from sort of the right perspective, rather than trying to, um, it just sounds like there's a more, it's not superficial for you. It sounds like you've really built some deep foundations to your network that have helped your business grow. Yeah, I would say um, for me, I was in the game before the internet was a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, you know, we're in the age where there's more millionaires than ever before. And, you know, your your person next door can be, your average person next door can be a millionaire and off of the internet or off of social media. And so I think what happens is that we see that and we see that happening so much now that people are worried about more about the bottom line than they are about the quality that they're producing. And um, I don't know how that'll fare in the long run, you know, because we have, this is very new and a lot of the um, income streams that we're seeing now, or that'll be here in 20 years, haven't even, you know, been created yet. Um, But I think that, like I said, for me, when I was coming up in the, entrepreneurship realm, I didn't know how to use media or internet or technology 
um, the way that a lot of people are able to use it now. Um, so it was really, and, and I didn't anticipate this being my path. I just kind of fell into it and saw something that I liked and then followed it. Um, but I do think it, it's essential in building your business to make sure that, like you said, you are building those relationships and you're maintaining those relationships. And um, I think in, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and is it the first 10 clients or a thousand clients? Uh, do you know what a I'm thousand, referencing? A thousand raving fans. Is that yes. referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's essential to focus on the quality that you're giving right. so that you can, you know, repeat that and, and have those repeat clients. So exactly. Well, and you nailed it. I mean, it's, and, and that's kind of the whole concept behind the thousand raving fans is, you know, it's just, it's infinitely cheaper and faster to just do a great job with one customer than to, um, you know, just try to get as many customers as possible. Um, yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about, cause I'm listening to you and I, you know, especially being someone who's been an educator, I know your work's really important. Could you, could you maybe even for the listeners give a bit more context to like what what exactly are you building out? I mean, are these, are these nonprofits? Are these small businesses that are looking to give back, so to speak, to a disadvantaged community? Are they, is that directly the people that they serve? And then you kind of help them figure out how to do that. And what, is it, what, what does it literally look like for the work that you're doing? Absolutely. So let's see. On a day-to-day, this is what this might look like. Um, I might have a general conversation and I might tell someone, oh, yeah, I work with small businesses and nonprofits who want to get into enrichment programming. And this happens more than that. Um, Someone will say, oh, well, I had an idea for creating a youth swimming program. Um, I have no clue where to start, but this is something that I enjoy doing. And so I'll sit down with them and essentially um, consult them about how to, how to create that program, what would that look like? Um, and we will put together a program, we'll put together a curriculum, um, and as they're moving forward, I'll assist them in developing their programming, developing their curriculum, and then, if they choose to, um, go after grant money and additional funding, then I'll support them in, those, um, in that area as well. So, so, so I'm are, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh no! What were you gonna say? Oh, <laughs> this is the <laughs> this is the joy of just like a conference calls. We you know we don't see each other, so it's just like <laughs> oh sorry. No, I was just gonna say. So I, I assume you're not like the expert in youth swimming. So is is your work more around like okay? Here's how we're gonna design it so it actually is impactful and it's sustainable. Because you mentioned like the funding piece of it. Because um, I guess you know anyone can start something, but it sounds like you have a special sweet spot in. Um, you know, really maximizing those resources and again, it being sustainable long-term. Absolutely. Um, So yes, what I do is specifically you're the expert, but I'm good at bringing that out of you. Okay. So I'm good at identifying objectives, creating what the day-to-day looks like, um, creating what your long-term vision for your program is, doing the research with you or for you and combining collectively what that um, program looks like and how do we market this program? How do we present this program in the, you know, in the most 
impactful way? And how do we get your program going and sustain your program? Mm. Uh, I hope that makes sense. It does. And do you, like, what's, I mean, you've, like I said, you've been in business for almost a decade. Can you, Mm -hmm. can you think of the most meaningful client you've had and what you did with them? Hmm. Let's see. I know it's always like a bit challenging to choose because <laughs> you're it not is, picking favorites. I hope they're not listening. No, I just, <laughs> I just mean like one that was like maybe even just personally, maybe it was just personally just special for you. I mean, what, what, what's an example of one of those? So one of my favorite um, organizations that I worked with was a sports and nutrition program. And the reason was because it was very so their population was disadvantaged youth in Baltimore. Um, and the work that they did was they created youth recreation sports activities. So intramural leagues for middle school and elementary um, school youth who didn't have those intramural sports <laughs> leagues. Um, the reason that that was most impactful for me, like I, I didn't, I'm not a sports, I don't have a sports background or anything. Um, But the reason that that was most impactful is just the work that we were able to do. And this, this company is extremely successful now. Um, And they like dominate intramural sports in the Baltimore area. Um, But that was one of the programs that I was able to start with them at the ground level and to provide insight, to provide support, to help them get clients, to help them get grant funding, um, to help them brand, to help them, you know, develop the infrastructure of their program. And then to be able to leave when my time was up, um, because I, you know, I come in to help you create and then Mm -hmm. let you go and you flourish. Um, But to be able to walk away from that, the end of our contract and to see how far they've come. It's just been amazing. And one of the things that I've also enjoyed about that is sometimes I'll see some of their um, current employees and they'll say, Oh, you're the legend. You, you know, you, you <laughs> helped start the company. Oh, and I'm like, oh. well, I, you know, I didn't necessarily help start the company, but I was there at the ground level, helping them build out, you know, their infrastructure. So it's just been amazing to witness their growth and to witness, like, I, I feel like they're, I want to say they started off in like maybe two or three schools. And I think now they have like 120 schools in Baltimore, wow. but it's just been amazing. And that's, we worked together about five years ago. Wow. So it's just beautiful, you know, yeah. to see those programs flourish. It's always, um, it's, here's what I love about you is, you know, it's so countercultural in the consulting world to know when your time is, when it's time to move on. And I, I know, especially <laughs> in the consulting, because I'm in the consulting world. Right. I, I know a lot, I've been in a lot of conversations where the conversation is, okay, we've finished this work how do we get them to stay with us? Like, what's the next thing? And, right. And it's, I think it's just, it's, it shows a lot of selflessness and care for the customer when instead it's, Hey, yeah, I've, I've done, <laughs> I've done my duty here. It's time to, it's time to let them fly. Right. And, and get out yeah. of the way. And I love that about you. Thank you. I think that's imperative. Like to me, work is, an extension of you or it, you know, in the most ideal sense, it's an extension of you. And in life, there are cycles. 
And, you know, you're here for a cycle. You're here, you know, to fulfill a mission. And then sometimes that mission is done and it's okay. And, you know, I remember somebody told me his favorite quote was a quote from Batman. And it's like, either you, and I'm going to butcher this quote. I, I but, know it. So I'll help you if you, because I'm a Batman fan. And so I'll, I'll let you take a stab at it and then I'll obnoxiously correct you out. <laughs> okay. So either you retire a hero or live long enough to die, become a villain. You nailed it. It's, that's it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> but that's how I feel because, you know, a lot of times, especially in consulting work, you know, if you're, not that you're not dedicated to, you know, the position, but if you came in to do something specific and you, if you do your work effectively, then you get your client to a point where they don't need you anymore. And that's like with any, you know, like with teaching or with therapy or whatever, you hope that you get your client to a place where they are operating efficiently. And then that means that your work has been done successfully. And at that point, you know, it's time to part ways and give them your blessing and you get their blessing and you move on. And so, um, you know, anything beyond that to me, beyond when the work is done, I think sometimes you might just be, you know, doing the rigmarole of, okay, I'm here. I'm supposed to be here. I show up every day, but my heart isn't in it. So for me, it's really important to, you know, stay in it while I'm in it, be happy, be passionate about it and then move on before it just becomes a a routine. Right. And it makes me think of um, some work I've done in the past has been like for companies that need like leadership development, having me come in and kind of spearhead their leadership development. And I remember there was like a, there was a, a sort of like a flip that switched sorry, a switch that flipped for me (laughs) probably four or five years ago, um, actually less than that, probably two or three years ago, where it was kind of like, you know, I can keep doing this for you, but it it would actually probably be a lot more meaningful if I just showed you guys how to do it. And then now, I mean, how much more meaningful is that when your own boss is like leading this leadership development initiative, as opposed to like the random guy who like doesn't even work here, you know, coming in and trying to spearhead it. And so... I think, I think what you've said is a really great insight and also just how amazing it must be for you. I don't know if you ever have a bad day because it sounds like there, it wouldn't be hard for you to look out and see the results of your impact, right? I mean, talking about 120 schools, I mean, to be able to see, you know, you didn't just impact that organization, but, you know, it's, multiplic- it's multiplicative, right? It's exponential because you get to see the people beyond that that they are influencing, yeah. Um, and I, I also think it's awesome that, you know, you were able to help that organization and the organizations that you work with um, get to a place where they can implement your programming as well, or, you know, your leadership style and coaching as well, which is, you know, another form of like, you know, of scaling, like being able to have your business model there without you necessarily being there. But as far as the bad days, Sometimes I do, but, and, <laughs> and I think, you know, what's really important to me. So sometimes I do these posts um, on Instagram and sometimes on LinkedIn just to help beginner entrepreneurs understand what the road ahead of them, um, what has been helpful for me and what I'm working on is understanding that there are waves. 
So you will have periods where you might have a bad day or a bad month, but it's okay. And so preparing and preparing for the storm and weathering the storm. And, you know, in an ideal world, you will never have those um, lower moments. But then that means that you're not, you know, maybe you're not trying hard enough or not trying anything new. Um, so just, you know, bracing for those moments when I'm, when I'm going to try a new venture and it might fail um, or it might not go as I intended for it to go has been really helpful in dealing with the, um, the bad days. <laughs> Do you think it's, it, it almost feels like, um, it feels like today it's harder than ever to really be an entrepreneur, not because even so much the journey, but because so many people on social media, they're not always talking about those hard days. In fact, what I typically see in the, in the entrepreneurial world is a lot of people who are, they're sharing a story that, and it's definitely not the whole story, but it's something like, I was working a minimum wage job and now I'm a millionaire six, six months later, you know, buy my course <laughs> or right. you know, hire me and I'll show you how to do it. And I, I see those and I kind of cringe because I think, you know, and not that there aren't hyper successful stories, not that there aren't, you know, flashes in the pan, things like that. But, but what I do know is, you know, you have someone like, um, uh, Steve jobs who was fired from his own company that he founded. And you have, you know, people like Peter Drucker, who's like so well esteemed in the consulting world who no one even read a book of his until he was 60. And so it, it just seems like practically speaking, the journey is actually, a lot longer and harder than we may think, but it feels like today there's so much noise saying otherwise that it's, it's hard to really have the right perspective. I totally agree. And I also feel this way, and this is a different subject. So I'm, I'll try to remember to circle back to this, but sometimes I feel that way with, um, the positive thinking, um, like mantras right, and right. videos because I'm, I'm a complete positive thinker and that's what's gotten me this far. But sometimes with the entrepreneurial, um, like the advertisements and just being bombarded mm -hmm. with these online courses and, and through technology about how you can be a millionaire. I don't know if you have ever likened it to like network marketing where it's like, you can be a millionaire, just do this, 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 and this, and mm -hmm. pay me X amount of dollars to show you how. Mm -hmm. And the other, what they don't tell you is that nothing worth having comes easy. And I, I'll say I have had periods where things just fall out of the, they seemingly fall out of the sky, but it's probably because of, you know, business relationships that I nurtured maybe a year before and, mm -hmm. and forgotten about them. But, um, I think with the technology and with um, the advertising of entrepreneurship being easy, yes, you can give me the formula. Yes, you can give me all of the tools. But if I don't have the work ethic, if I don't have the, the habits, if I don't have the ambition, the motivation, if I don't understand that, you know, your habits will carry you when your passion falls by the wayside, um, I can give you $1,000 a month to show me how, but it's going to be wasted, you know, right. if I'm not doing the work myself. Right. And I do think that that's, I guess, somewhat of a toxic positivity overload. And, you know, 
just made that up. So I don't know if that's even a thing, but oh, I'm all about with- it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I like, you need to coin that for sure. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I think that with that, you know, it just gives us really unrealistic perspective of what success looks like really on a day-to-day basis. And I think it can set you up for like on a deep level depression because you're, you might equate your self-efficacy to, Mm. okay, well, you just told me that all I have to do is write this ad this way and spend X amount of dollars. I, I know I saw one where it's like, you spend $2 a day on Facebook advertising, I'll give you the script and you'll make $10,000 in the first week. And it's like, okay, that sounds great. But what if I do that and I don't get those clients in the first week? And now I don't have the habits and I don't have the, I haven't set, you know, realistic expectations because you as the coach have not told me that, well, maybe it's going to take three or four weeks or a month or, you know, a couple months or, you know, plan for six months of dedication before you even see your first client. Um, Now I'm going to doubt whether or not this is my lane and I might give up. And I think with this new age and technology, like in this generation, we just expect everything to happen overnight without understanding that there are skills that you have to build, there's habits that you have to form. Um, and, you know, you have to be committed and motivated in other ways, um, you know, in order to be successful over the long term. You know, and, and, and man, there is so much to unpack from what you just said. I mean, that everything you just said could be its own episode. I, I First of all, you are so on point. It, there absolutely is a level of, and I think you nailed it. It's toxic positivity where it's like so many people are, and, and, and for the listeners, you know, surround yourself with encouraging people. Absolutely. Positivity is great. But it, it, I saw a, a, um, Charday, I saw this, this post the other day that was in, in the, literally the first line was with enough time, commitment, and passion, you can turn any hobby of yours into a six-figure profitable business. And everybody was commenting. They were like, yes, wow, yeah. And maybe I'm just fussy. I don't know. But I, I thought, well, what if, what if your hobby is underwater basket weaving? Or like, what, right. if, what if your hobby is, you know? And so that, that kind of statement is so exciting because you're like, yeah, but it's misleading because, you know, people buying your stuff has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what they actually want. And so if there aren't people who want to learn how to do underwater basket weaving, it doesn't really matter how good you are at it. It's not, it's never going to be a sustainable business. And I I think the second thing I wanted to say was to your point, it absolutely upsets the, the journey of the entrepreneur because you do get distracted by depression you get distracted by, am I even doing this? Rather than understanding it's less about you and it's more about patience and time. And in fact, your story that you just said was literally me when I started my business where I had this really great marketer who was working with me and ended up letting this guy go. But I I just went, I I remember thinking after the first week or two, like, where are my customers? Because he had told me, just do this and you're going to get, you know, more customers than you can imagine. But I really did fall like into this deep, deep depression, like where my wife was really just trying to like pull me out of it. 
And, and so I think, I think you've nailed it. I think you've nailed it. And I think that you're so right. If, you know, falling into this trap of thinking will ultimately disrupt the, the journey you're on, which frankly is a journey of commitment and patience and, you know, appetite to stick with it. And, you know, it's just, it, it is a wild culture that we're living in right now. It really is. And I think it's, instrumental and imperative for people like you who have, um, you know, you feature entrepreneurs and you create tools and resources so that people have a more realistic perspective of what that looks like um, so that you can be prepared. And I think another part of this, um, yeah, toxic positivity or even toxic entrepreneurship or whatever mm-hmm. is the the concept that um uh, oh my gosh I lost my train of thought <laughs> we both the done concept <laughs> the concept that you can just you know jump in and, and it'll be an easy thing and I right. think if you have the tools and the resources um oh and that that's what I was gonna say the idea that entrepreneurship is for any and everybody mm-hmm. and it can be. And it's great. But I think what's equally important is to have a very real conversation with yourself about, you know, if I'm not an entrepreneur, it does not say anything about me. It doesn't mean I'm any less of a person if I don't, you know, use my passion in this underwater basket weaving and I don't go for it. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not an innovator or a creative person where I can't be successful, you know, in other ways. I think it's really important um, that, you know, people understand that. But the tools and, and all of these things, the training, the mental training, the mental stamina, all of these things that you have to do and um, to prepare yourself to be an entrepreneur is not for the, the weak of heart. Mm-mm. And I think about it like being an Olympian, So in 2019, my new year resolution was to um, train my mind and to become mentally agile and and flexible and adaptable Um, to deal with all of the things that you have to deal with when you're an entrepreneur, but just in life in general. I think that is so important to be able to weather the storms, be able to um, maneuver And to be able to just stand firm, even when it looks like the world around you is falling down. And I think that's what you have to acquire to be a successful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I found that people don't even really know. There's a lot of like sexiness around the term entrepreneurship, but but not everyone really knows what they're getting involved in, you know, when they dive into it. and. I think about a guy I was talking to, he was like, I just, I so badly want to be an entrepreneur. And I said, well, what do you, what do you think that means? And he was like, I'm just, I just, I just envision being able to wake up whenever I want and not have anyone tell me what to do. And I said, okay, that, (laughs) that's not entrepreneurship. That's called immaturity. You know, and and he just, but that's what his perception was, you know, in today's culture of it's really snazzy, it's really flashy. You know, that's what excited him. That's what he wanted, right? And so he was kind of in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, that's cute. <laughs> <But> that's <laughs> not real. Right. Um, 
because, you know, you have to work even harder. You have to remember, you know, you have to be your own boss. Just because you're not reporting to someone outside of yourself, you need to be reporting to yourself. And you need to, you know, be able to give it that much more energy and attention and dedication. And you might have 15 or 17 hour days. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you might not get a break for a while, but, you know. It's amazing how um, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur so they can like, you know, not have to worry about work on the weekends. But I feel like I work more on the weekends now yes. than I have before. Yes, that is my thing. Like Sunday, I don't do anything. Like I don't do anything with anyone else because that's my work. That's my grind day. Like <laughs> wake up yeah. at this time, do all the work, you know, yeah. finish late. But Yeah. No, this has been really fun. What what can listeners do right now to engage with you, to follow you, to stay connected with you? What's what's like the one thing they should do? Sure. So I would love for listeners to check out my website is sjonesbooksandeducation.com or they can follow me on LinkedIn. It's Sharday, S-H-A-R-D-A-Y, Jones. And that's, yeah, those are the two two avenues that they can use to reach me. Great. So I'll, for the listeners, I'll put that in the episode description so that you have it. Sharday, it was so fun having you on today. Yes. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you. Great. And for the listeners, let me know what you think about the episode. You can shoot me an email, blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Hey, if you're a first time listener, go ahead and click that subscribe button. We're going to go ahead and keep bringing you amazing guests like Sharday onto the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, think about leaving us a five-star review. It keeps us at top of mind for people so they keep getting great content from us. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. See ya.